You know, honestly, you could just get caught up in that and not do anything else. You know, and that's the hard part in, in my position because I really enjoy that so much. I don't have to say a whole lot. I could just, but then there's always somebody who come to me at the end and go, well, we wanted the word. <laughs> and you need the word. I'm not, I'm not belittling it, but I'm just saying, yeah, we get sometimes. Good friend of ours, Ron Maddox, and you all remember Ron from years ago, a missionary and phenomenal speaker, but a phenomenal storyteller. And uh, we were at a meeting, and he got up and he spoke, and he told all his stories, and he took all it took him to the offer and all that. And so they sat at the door greeting people, and a lady walked by, and she said, I want to tell you how much I appreciated you. You didn't bore us with a word today. I'm going to bore you today a little bit with a word. <laughs> Because the word is what makes all this other stuff possible. Without the word of the living God, where would we be? We wouldn't understand worship. We wouldn't understand praise. We wouldn't understand miracles. We wouldn't understand what it meant to be who he created and called us to be. Amen. So hopefully we're going to move into some areas that will be a blessing to you today. As we're teaching on the subject of grace. And uh, we got into that last week and we, we covered a couple of things. And I'm, gonna re, I'm just going to reiterate a couple of things from last week, and then we're going to get into today's message. The grace, again, as we, we mentioned to you, is, is probably one of the most abused teachings of our modern-day church. And uh, the, the modern-day message of grace is, is so destructive to the body of Christ that it's, it's scary. And we'll talk about that a little more next week as we, you know, as we unfold and pack today's message. You'll see where we're going next week. But uh, grace is, is not something that is given to you for unmerited favor. They've always used that terminology that grace is unmerited favor. Last week we discovered that it's not unmerited. I said it's not unmerited. In fact, he said it this way. It says that Jesus grew in grace. Now, he didn't grow in unmerited favor. He was sinless. Come on, stay with me, folks. He says over in the book of James, he says that to those that are willing to humble themselves, more grace will be given to them. Which means if I walk in humility, I have, it's not unmerited. I merit more grace. Come on, stay with me. So we have to look at this mindset, and we did that last week as we began to go through some things. That, that what the Bible talks about, what the definition is, grace is the divine influence of God upon the heart and its reflections in life. It includes gratitude, acceptance. It includes benefit. It includes favor. It deals with walking in kindness and walking in, and, and by the way, you also showing favor to others. We find that the merciful kindness by which God exerted his divine influence upon the heart and its reflection so that life is enabled to do that which is right and proper, pleasant and precious through a gracious manner. It's enablement with purpose. Grace is anything but unmerited. Mercy is unmerited favor. We need to understand that mercy, the mercy of God towards men in general it, it, the mercy is clemency of God. It's providing and offering for, to men, for man's salvation by Christ. 
Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish. In other words, God could punish us for our sins, but he says, I sent not my son to condemn you, I sent my son that you might be saved. Titus 3 and 5 said, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing and regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. It's important to understand, and I want to cover this again this morning just to lay the foundation for today's message. And that is that when we talk about grace and we talk about mercy, we have to understand how they set into place. We talked last week about the fact that there is a condition that has to be met in order for you to be saved. The modern day grace people will tell you there's no condition to be made. You just receive Jesus. And I always look at them, I go, really, did you hear what you just said to me? Yes, there's no condition. You just received Jesus. I said, you still are not listening to what you're telling me. If I don't receive Jesus, I haven't met the condition by which I can be saved. For all of sin, they come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death or separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through who? Jesus Christ, his son. So I have to be willing to meet the condition. What is my condition I must do? I must believe. Now, once I believe, Bible says that Jesus gives us grace for grace. That you can't have grace till you've received the mercy of salvation. And you can't have the mercy of salvation till you've met the condition of realizing and believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what we've done with the church is we've tried to make it in such a fashion that, you know, you know everybody, and you move to the universal thing to where everybody is saved, they just don't know it yet. That God is so merciful, he would never allow anyone not to be saved. No, God is a just God. He's a merciful God. So he provided a way out. Amen. So when we look at this, if you, again, if you were taking notes, we know this, that repentance is the condition. Repentance and then belief is conditioned for us to enter into the walk of salvation. Now salvation is provided because of the mercy of God. The mercy of God is positional. When I have the mercy of God in my life because I've received Jesus, I now have my sins forgiven, I'm placed in a position in God that I call myself a child of God. Everybody say position. That's real important when we look at this aspect of it because mercy creates the positional place where we're going to talk about today. Position declares sonship. Mercy, position, is sonship. You've got to see how they follow into place. Mercy is based upon my willing to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and allow what he did on the cross to become relative to where I am. And so now mercy can be applied that I now can be called and made a child of God. Once I'm put in position as a child of God, of God. Now, that, that's real important. Once I know 
How do I know? Because I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. As many as receive him, he gives you power to become the sons of God. So I received Jesus. I now have become a child of God. So mercy creates a position which establishes your heritage or your family, if you in which you live in, called the kingdom of God. Grace, on the other hand, is very unique. Grace is the empowerment of God's presence upon an individual's life that they can perform in that act and in the manner by which God intended them to perform. It's empowerment upon a believer to be what he was created to be and do what he's called to do. So we understand that while mercy is positional, grace is transitional. It's important we get that in our spirit. Grace is transitional. If you can operate in grace, you're constantly moving from glory to glory. Come on, stay with me here. The modern day grace movement is you don't do anything. You just sit there and God does it all. You have no transition because you don't have to do anything because grace has done it all. I just believe in Jesus. Jesus paid it all on the cross. And we'll get into that a little bit next week about when he said it is finished. We don't even have a clue what he meant by that. And so we, we, we see this process, and as believers, it's important. If we don't get this, we're not going to be what God called us to be. Now watch, grace is transitional, and grace is dealing with relationship. Positional, transitional. One deals with sonship, the other one deals with relationship. When I receive Jesus... And I am born again in my life. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I'm now in, 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 in the kingdom of God. I know he, my sins are forgiven. Does not mean that I will never, ever make another mistake in my life. But because I am a son of God, if I mess up and I confess, I realize I've messed up. I confess. The word confess means a continuation Oh, man, I'm messing somebody up now. In 1 John, they talk about as he is in the light, we are in the light. Come on. And, by, and because if we stay in the light, the blood of Jesus is constantly cleansing us from sin. Well, I thought I was already forgiven for sin. Where well, you were forgiven of sin, and you now became a child of God. But now you've got to deal with the world system in which you live. And in the world system, you might mess up sometimes. Don't look around. Everybody knows where they messed up at. If you're married, you understand. There are times that you really weren't the righteous husband or the righteous mother or the righteous child or the whatever. You know, we used to say, God, can we just kill them and let you know where they died? Y'all never had that problem, but my children. I'm joking. They're all here. Thank God about that. They're all here, only. Michael Cash, glad to have you all the way from Broadway. Come here. I want you all to know this is my grandson. You know where he gets it from, don't you? His grandmother. So that He's home for this week, so we're glad to have him here. 
But we understand that when I become a child of God, when Heather and Sean were born into our family, they're our children. They be received sonship or daughter, son. They became, they're bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh. They're out of us, right? They have our DNA. And so we know they're our family, but there are times that they did stuff that their mother and I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> now, when they put us in that position, until they were willing to understand what they did and uh, admit it and quit it, even though we were still their parents, it limited what we could do for them because they were not doing what was correct in the household. Ooh. So because I'm a child of God, does it mean that he oversees all the things that I do against the kingdom and says it doesn't matter anyway because my grace will take care of that. Don't worry about it. In other words, you don't have to correct your problem because it's already been corrected when Jesus died on the cross. On the other hand, we teach that because I messed up, I've lost my salvation. They didn't stop being my kids because they messed up. And, I, and if you wait along patient enough and long enough, they come around. So when we talk about this mercy, I become a child of God. I'm born again. Now, God empowers me through Jesus with grace so that I can live righteous. Because grace takes me from position to transition. And now, it's not my power, but it's his power. Last week, we talked about Paul's thorn in the flesh. And as we, as we looked at Paul's thorn in the flesh... What, what we looked at and discovered was that Paul went to the Heavenly Father and he said, you've got to do something with this demon that's been assigned to me lest I should be exalted. Now, here's the funny part. Now, here's how the church has read this, that God allowed the demon to stay there because he didn't want Paul to get any credit. And that's not true at all. First off, God says, I'm glorified in the fruit you bear. Why would God not want you successful since he gets glory out of your success? Come on, stay with me here. The Bible says this, that when we go out and do the works that God has called us to do, that men will give glory and honor to the God that we serve when they see our good works. So it's impossible to think that God allowed a, a demon of Satan to stay in Paul's life so that he could keep him from being exalted. You know you would want that Paul with the miracles you wanted exalted, the teachings you wanted exalted. Why? Because he always pointed to Jesus. So that, that myth doesn't work too well when you really look at the scripture. So what did God say to Paul? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. 
Paul says, I've come to you three times, and all I hear from you is your grace is sufficient for me. What do you mean? My unmerited favor is sufficient for you? Favor with who? A demon? See, the word doesn't work, does it? But empowerment. I said empowerment. That's a different game. He says, my grace, my divine influence upon your life, empowering you to be what I created you to be and do what you're supposed to do, you deal with that demon. Don't call me about it. You've got the authority. You've got the power. Deal with it yourself. Don't come crying to me when I've already given you what you need to take care of. So we look at Paul and let's look at his life. What did that demon bring into his life? Well, he got three times he got beat with stripes as Jesus. Hmm. He got snake bitten and shook it off in the, in the fire. He got shipwrecked. My favorite one is when he took him outside the city and stoned him. Because you study history, they didn't just hit him with rocks. They kept throwing rocks so you could no longer see a body underneath the rocks. But somewhere in that little body, if you study history, he was kind of a bent over, almost with a hunchback, struggling with seeing sometimes. He had problems. But when they came against him, God's grace, and all of a sudden this little hand from this little man began to go up and the rock began to push aside and all of a sudden he comes out from underneath the rocks and he goes back in the city because he has the empowerment of God that no matter what the demon did couldn't stop what God had called him to do. When you begin to understand he can't stop what God called you to do, it's going to change your life. It's change your life. But you have to stay focused. And if you don't, if you don't understand this, this term of, of grace and mercy and how they flow together, you're never going to be where you're supposed to be. I, and, and like I said, next week we're going to get into the transitional phase and talk about how the Holy Spirit works in that area. And we're going to bring out some things that I think will be very enlightening. You do not want to miss that next week. But today I want to talk to you. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short or fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Justified freely by, we've been declared righteous freely by his empowerment. Remember, mercy puts you in position, but now grace empowered you to operate in righteousness. Righteousness is twofold. Again, it's positional, transitional, just like we see grace and mercy. Righteousness, Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3, is who we are in Christ. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 is how we live for being in Christ. It's important we see this. He declares us righteous. Why? Because righteousness manifests in two areas, positional and transitional. I, Jesus knew, knew no sin, took my sin that I might be made right with God. But now seek ye first the kingdom of God and his right. Pursue righteousness, living a righteous life. How can I do that? If I say grace, all I've got is grace, I don't need to do anything because that grace is all completed, all finished. How am I going to pursue righteousness? But if we pursue righteousness, we're going to operate in grace because grace empowers us to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He empowers our position 
That's what grace is in. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you powerless. I'll go to the Holy Spirit. He's going to come to you. And the Holy Spirit is the agent that causes grace to begin to manifest itself in and through your life so you can fulfill your purpose and destiny. We, we, and again, we'll get into this next week a little bit about transition, but the Holy Spirit is sent to teach us all things. He's to, he is to teach, he is first off to exalt the name of Jesus. He is to enlighten us through the word of God, and he's to empower us to be what we're created to be. So he is the agent by which grace and mercy and position and transition all are manifested through the Holy Spirit. And we'll look at that next week as we look at the book of Acts. But let's get something straight today when we talk about this. Grace is active in our lives. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We know this, the repentance again, conditional truth. Titus 3 and 5 through 7. Not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That being, having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of his eternal life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone in Christ sees a new creation. Watch this now. All the old things have passed away. All things have become new. Hmm. All things have passed away. All things have become new. We don't know what we shall be like, but when he shall appear, we shall be like him. So we're in a constant move from glory to glory. We're being changed constantly by the work of grace in our lives to be more like him. That's why Jesus gave us grace for grace, so that we could multiply. People say, well, you know, you know, with all this tradition in the church, they're just, they're just trying to put you in bondage. Grace doesn't put you in bondage. Grace keeps you free. So if it put, puts me into the church to empower me because of the position that mercy gave me. When I received Christ, I became a new creation. But how do I live in that new creativity? 1 Peter 1.23 says you were born again of, of incorruptible seed. Romans 8.14 says when you move into mercy and get in position for grace to operate, you're the sons of God. 1 Peter 2.9 says you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, set forth for the prayer. Oh, you're doing, oh, you're doing something. I got you. Every one of these things requires you to do something. The modern day grace message is sit down on your rusty, dusty, and leave. everything happened because God's got it under control. I received Jesus. They even take 1 John 1 9 and tell you that 1 John 1 9 deals with unbelievers and not believers and they don't know the Bible. Because if you read the first part of the chapter, you know he's talking nothing but believers. Why would he say that? Because they say that in the modern day grace movement, you should never repent. Don't confess your sin because it's already forgiven. <laughs> Hallelujah. What a deal. I don't know what he's going to do when he comes back from the church without spot or wrinkle. I don't know what he's going to do when he comes back for a glorious church. I don't know what he's going to do when he comes back for a victorious church. That means we're all doing something, folks. Hmm. 
Revelation 1.6, you're a king and you're a priest. Ephesians 1.6 says you've been accepted in the beloved. Colossians 2.10 says you're completed in Christ. And what does that mean, completed in Christ? It means I've been empowered with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. So now I can operate the way he created me to operate. Second Corinthians 5.18, we are reconciled to God. First John 5.4, we overcome the world. Oh, Ephesians 1.3, we're blessed with all spiritual blessings. Matthew 5.13-14, he says you're salt and light to the world in which you live. Second Corinthians 5.21, you're the righteousness of God to live and pursue his, his person. Second Peter 1.4, you're partakers of his divine nature. 2 Timothy 1.9, you're called of God. Ephesians 1.3, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 1 Corinthians 6.19, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Revelation 21.7, you are victorious. Hmm. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn, but the world through him might be saved. Once you receive Christ, I want you all to get a hold of something here. I want to see how God looks at you for a moment so you know how you can be an overcomer. But you've got to realize these other things before you can move into this realm. God never mentions our sin once we have confessed it. You've got to confess it. God doesn't go, what's wrong? And then you get on the other side of it when we talk about the Holy Spirit conviction. We'll talk about that next week. The Holy Spirit brings godly sorrow and repentance. The flesh of man brings a different kind of sorrow. But the godly sorrow and repentance isn't brought by pointing out what's wrong. It just simply shows you what's right and you go, I can't believe I did that. That's so stupid. Now I know what I'm supposed to do. You ever done that? You ever been doing something, doing it wrong, doing something wrong? No, just do this. You go, really? I was at the airport the first time he came out. And we had to, they had a little kiosks. You know, that's not my generation. I like people to do stuff for me. Here's my license. You punch the buttons and give me my ticket. Shows you how old I am. So we go to the airport, and they got a little lady standing there, young lady. She says, why don't you use the kiosk, or I said, I'd rather go. She says, oh, you don't know how to use it, do you? <laughs> Who's paying your salary? <laughs> and I know I didn't get that way. I said, no, I'll be honest with you, I have never done it. I'd. She said, let me just show you something here. And so I did it, and, and uh, nothing happened. I said, well, I, she said, no, sir, you hit the wrong button. Just put this, do this, and I hit this button. I hit it, and my tickets came out, and, my, and all of a sudden I got my things for my bags. And I, Holy cow. I can do this. Well, that's like we have here with us in the church. See, he, 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 he's not mentioning your sin. He's showing you what's right. And when you know what's right, you know I don't push that button again because I never got what I needed by pushing that button. I need to push this one. 
Grace takes you to the right place at the right time. And when you're there, you can say, I know that's wrong because I know this is right. The scripture, the word of God speaks more of your position in Christ than your condition in the world. Speaks of us not as subjects of sin, but as objects of his love. As he said, we are chosen in Ephesians 4.1, before the foundations of the world were laid, he chose us. We are forgiven, we are delivered, and we are redeemed according to Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. We're more than conquerors. According to Romans 8.23, we're overcomers according to Revelation 12 and 11. We're triumphant according to 2 Corinthians 2 and 14. We are the sons of God according to Romans 8.14. And we're joint heirs with Jesus according to Romans 8.17. You say, why are you telling us this? Because it doesn't matter if you just know your position. We've got to learn how to transition with our position. I know I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I know my sins are forgiven. I know that I have a home in heaven that he's building for me. I know that I'm ready to meet him when the time comes. I know that he has caused me to be a chosen generation. I know that. But how do I live like that? By grace. Grace is an empowerment for you to perform an empowerment for you to do the work that God, don't be hearers of the word only, be ye doers of the word. I can't do the word if I don't have the empowerment of God in me. Oh, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Oh, I can do all things that Christ who strengthens me. Wow. If God be for me, who can be against me? Novel idea. How does that all happen? It's the empowerment of God's presence upon your position. You better understand mercy before you go off the deep end into grace. Mercy is God sent not his son to condemn. But he sent his son that you might be saved. Mercy. Mercy. We're so busy trying to operate in a grace that has been perverted that we don't understand our position. In the book of Genesis, God created mankind in his image and in his likeness. He empowered him with the authority to till the ground and to protect the garden against the intruder. But Eve listened to the serpent, and she forgot her position. She couldn't use the empowerment that God had given them because she was out of position. Satan wants you to get a hold of this grace message so you can live in sin, and it's all going to be okay anyway. Don't worry about it because it's all going to be good at the end. Because God would never not want anybody not to make it. What he's doing is he's getting you out of position. As a child of God, I have to live a certain way. As a child of God, I've got to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. As a child of God, I've got to seek after that which is pure and that which is holy and that which is right. I've got to live a certain way. I've got to choose to do that. Don't lose my position so I've got the power in me now that I can transition with. 
What we do is we allow our relationship to interfere with our family inheritance. I forget that I am a child of God. When they forget that they're our children and they're for us because we're raising them up. And so they get out of position and act like anything other than what we've raised them to be. Then they position themselves to where I can't help them. I want to help them, but I can't. A righteous father says, confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you. And why would I be in that mode to confess my sins, continually moving in that realm? Why am I always going to, well, I don't, listen, everything I do in life is not a sin, so let me understand what I'm saying. But there are times I put my head on my pillow at night and I go, you know what? I, I should have reached out to that person. See, him that knoweth to do with good and doeth it not is sin. See, sin's not just, you know, I don't smoke or chew or hang out with those that do. You understand what I'm saying? Sin is to know what's right and choose not to do what's right. Him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, they're in sin. And if I'm in sin, I'm separating myself because I've stepped out of position. And when I step out of position, the Father can't help me. So my job is, first off, is to celebrate the mercy of God. When I receive Christ... The condition, I met the condition, I received Jesus. Now the mercy of God has brought salvation and brought kinship into my life. So now Jesus imputes to me the grace, the empowerment, so I can perform and I can do what he's called me to do. But the moment I step out of position, uh, let me see that microphone. Is the mic on here? Is it on? It's a great microphone. How much we pay for this thing? <laughs> really? Pretty expensive? See how it works. Is it on now? What about now? Is this mine or this? Okay, Trevor, take this to the back of the auditorium. Turn my mic off. It's on. Now, we got back in position. So now, this little tool can perform what it was created to do. <laughs> so, so, grace is created by God 
so that when you get in position, Jesus gives you grace so you can perform the way you were created to perform. Ooh. Mm. Go to 2 Corinthians. I'm going to close with this musicians. You can only go so far with this and let y'all go home and kind of meditate on some of this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to give you a little insight as to why I teach what I teach when it comes to biblical prosperity and success. Because you see, the grace that is given to you, which we talked about last week, is so that the gift that God gave you can perform. That's what he says over in the book of Ephesians. So if the gift that God gave me, I'm supposed to use in my part of the equation. I need grace in my life in order for that to manifest itself. Let me give you an example. Oral Roberts, the first half of his ministry had a tent ministry that he laid hands on over a million people. But then God spoke to him and said, that is your platform, but I've empowered you to build a university. And people would get so upset because he was no longer under the tent. But the people he sent out from that university far exceeds anything he'd ever did under the tent. Funny, isn't it? Yeah. Brother Ted's father, Ted Chelsworth. I've heard him preach a lot of stuff. But his gifting, and I'm going to mess some of you up. His gifting isn't miracles of healing. It's understanding the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And because he understands the working of the Holy Spirit and the gifts, he can have miracles. The moment he gets away from teaching on that, I've been in his meetings. In a kind of, and he'll lean back over into that gift and all of a sudden, boom. Words of not everything's flying because he knows. See, he has a gift. He's empowered to know how those gifts work. God, I wish I had that gift, but I don't. I read it. I study it. I listen to it. I listen to all his stuff. I can't do that stuff. I wish I could. Well, you can do it. No, I can't. It's not my gift. See, that's why we don't understand the body of Christ. You can't do what everybody else does. You got to do what God called you to do. We're over. I'm over in Thailand. 1987. We've got 5,000 people out there. With Vinny Sianfi, Ron Maddox. We want you to preach the first crusade. Man, I got up and preached my heart out. And all I could think the whole time I was up there is I have no business on this platform preaching to these people. And getting videos so people can look at me what I'm doing over here when I'm not doing what God called me to do. I walked off the platform. I looked at them. I said, I'm not preaching anymore at night. Just tell me where the pastors are during the day. I'll take all the pastor's classes. I'll teach them. But I'm not going back on that platform. I was with Dr. Cho. 
put me in front of a whole thousands of people. I said, Dr. Joe, don't do it. Put me into Bible college. Put me into seminary. But, but, why? Because that was, I'm not an evangelist. I can preach Jesus. I preach Jesus every week in this church. I, everywhere I go, I lead people to Christ. It's not bad. But my gift is not evangelism. He's an evangelist. He can get people to respond when they don't even know they need to respond. I can talk to the worst sinners in the world. And they go, really? Why? That's his gift. So why would I not bring gifts like that into this church? See what I'm saying? Come on, stay with me, church. See, grace empowers you with your gifting. Talked to a young man several years ago. I was at a at a at a, at a conference. We were over in uh, Naples. I was over there with your husband, Mike. The young man got up and spoke, and we shared. And afterwards, we're talking, and I spoke. I spoke in the same conference. We're talking, and he says, "You know, I had someone come up, and a prophet came up to me and prophesied that with my ability to speak, I should go into ministry and should quit doing the work that I'm doing." Let me see something here. You're the number one vacuum cleaner salesman in the United States. Hoover Vacuum Cleaners. You're the number one guy. You're making millions of dollars. And because you're number one in making millions of dollars, that opens the door, the platform, so you can share your testimony. Is that correct? I said, if you stop doing what you're doing, you just shut down the very foundation by which God is using to promote you. And I said, I did. I said, talk to Mike Black. And Mike and Kevin got with him, talked with him. He's the guy that when he walked away, he's crying because they told him, listen, as a businessman, that's your platform, man. And they ministered to him. And he's walking away. I'll never forget, he turns around and he looks at me. Now, they talked to him. I didn't. He turns around and he looks at me, took off his presidential Rolex watch, and he threw it to me. He says, there, God just told me to give you that. I'm going somewhere with this. Of course, is Kevin here today? Is he here today? No? Yes or no? No, he's not here today. Okay, I tell him I talked about him. <laughs> Kevin and Mike both looked at me and they said, you know what, Bishop? We've heard you tell about that stuff with Rolex watches and stuff. And we wanted to believe it. And we, and we try, you know, but you know, you still have that, like, really? And they said, they said, we talked to him. But he turned around and threw you the watch. $35,000 watch. It was awesome. Why would he throw me the watch? Second Corinthians 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich yet for your sakes he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich and that's the verse that God put in my heart when I had to go back to teaching on prosperity I know that's messing some of you up I've never looked back over my shoulder and wherever I've gone it's always come I can't explain it Reese can tell you. I go places. I tell people up front. I go, listen, I have no needs. I have no needs. 
Your pastor's house is paid for. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want that. It's paid for. Cars paid for. You got money in the bank. I can buy what I want, go where I want, do what I want. And I get up and I tell the people in churches just exactly what I told you. Because the pastor told me to take it. And Reese can tell you, I tell the pastor, I, you don't want me taking the offering. Shauna Reese, we were over in Cali, Columbia. Five services and a quarter of a million dollars was thrown on the platform. And the translator, the pastor's son, looking at me, he says, how can this be? I said, just shut up and keep translating. Don't worry about it. I was with Dr. John Abazzini. We were there for a Saturday and Sunday. We raised $1 million in Cali, Columbia for that church. How do you do that? I don't. I stay in position so that the grace of God can transition me to the areas that he wants me to help. That's my gift. God allows me to go in and help churches. And by the grace of God in my life, this church will be totally debt-free. It'll be totally debt-free. We, we, we already have given millions, but we're going to give millions more to the kingdom of God. Because that's what my gift is. is to help you understand how to use your gift so that God can bless you so that we can bless everybody else. It's never about, see, the gift is never about you. It's about what you can do for others is why you have that grace empowerment upon you to be what he created you to be and do what he called you to do. It's never about you. It's never about me. It was never about Will Roberts. It's never about your father. It was never about Billy Graham. It was never about any of these great men of God. Or Catherine Kuhlman, the great women of God, or Mother Edder, the great women. It's not about any of them. It's about the gift that when they got in position, they refused to get out of position so that they could transition by the grace of God and turn the world upside down in which they lived. And when we as a church begin to understand that whether I'm a salesperson, I'm an educator, I'm in the medical field, whether I'm a teacher or a preacher or whatever I am, that's my gift. And we get stay in position and we don't let sin control us. We stay where God's called us to go. Then all of a sudden we change the world in which we live. There's something in each and every one of you that God's trying to get out of you does it with his grace his empowerment for you to be what he created you to be and do what he called you to do what's happened is we've allowed the religious ranks to tell us we can't be what God called us to be 1991, 92, 93 God spoke to me about the subject of seed time and harvest we began to put together, we began to teach, we began to travel. And I had people in the world in which I live come to me and said, you can't preach that prosperity message. You don't understand what the world's gone through with the different ministers that failed. You can't do that. So I got away from it. I'm proud of that. I did. 2000, I suffered a massive heart attack. God raised me from the dead. I won't go through all of that. But he raised me up from dead. I flatlined on the table. I died. 
God brought me back. I'm sitting on my patio in back of our house. Three months of recovery, supposedly. And God speaks to me. He says, I've given you the gift. But you've gotten out of position. And you started listening to the religious crowd rather than to the Holy Spirit within you. And I sat three months repenting on my balcony, asking God to forgive me. And during that process, he said, drop off this board, drop off this board, drop off this board. I was a regent of Orbit University. You can no longer be a regent. I was a trustee, charismatic Bible. You can no longer be a trustee. I was a charismatic Bible vice president. You can no longer be with them. I, I was a Dr. Cho's instructor. You can no longer be with Dr. Cho. They get, get off every. And watch what I will do with a gift that I placed in you. If you will allow me to empower your gift and don't look left or right and don't get out of position. Church, break every chain. Come on, let's stand. Let's begin to let God move our lives. Get back in position. Next week, we'll talk about transition. Come on, church. Hey, thanks for watching the Abundant Life YouTube channel. We hope that today's message has blessed your life. And don't forget, if you enjoyed today's sermon, you can always subscribe as well as share this message with your family and friends. Also, to support the ministry, be sure to hit the giving link located in the description below. Through your giving, we're able to continue to spread the gospel and reach our world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Also, you can join us Sundays for all of our stream services on Facebook Live and AbundantLife.tv. And remember this, that God is a good God. He loves you and He wants to bless you today. Take care.